This is Daisenshu EX the podcast, episode 75 for the week of April 29th, 2007. Welcome to Daisenshu EX the podcast. The podcast, an extension of the all encompassing Dragon Ball fan site, Daisenshu EX. We cover anything and everything. Battle Arena Toshinden. Check in the anime. Dragon Ball, in hopes of enlightening and a little bit of entertaining. How's everyone out there in podcast land and in my ears and through my microphone and through the magic of digital transmission? We're good. Wow, that's a creepy voice. That must be Julian. <coughs> um, I mean, hi, Mike. Hello. How are you? So, uh, what's the what's the haps over there? The haps over here. Well, uh, it's a Friday evening, and uh, as a typical Friday evening would have it, we are recording a podcast, and we will be doing video work later. So, uh, you're Julian. You weren't here last week. We missed you. You were at a convention. That is true. I was in Boston. And how was the Boston? It was good. I liked it. Liked That's it a good. lot. Well, we'll talk a little bit more about the convention momentarily. I will introduce uh, the female to my less than proverbial right. Howdy. This is the Mary. How you doing, Mike? I'm quite well. Uh, you are, you are uh, how you say, Friday enjoyment. Oh, yes. I'm in relaxo mode. Ah, Not quite, stuff. you know, relaxo as in pantsless, as Mike tends to be when he relaxes. That's true. But I'm not quite at that stage just yet, but uh, give me a couple hours. Relax. We'll be there. Nonetheless. So if that's Julian and you are Mary, that must mean I am indeed Mike Labrie. Vegito EX. Oh. Julian, let's talk a little bit about Anime Boston. What'd yeah. you do? Who'd you meet? How'd it go? Oh, let's see. Well, I um, I had a pretty good time. I went to the Funimation panel and uh, didn't really find anything about Dragon Ball, but they had their One Piece stuff. They were pretty excited about it. It's pretty in the early stages right now, so they don't have a cast or anything yet, but they're really hoping that it'll do well and, you know, that sort of thing. And let's see, what else did I do? I checked out the dealer's room, bought myself a couple of things. Got One Piece Volume 45 and One Piece Yellow, the new companion to Red and Blue. Ah, nice. As well as Volume 1 of Kino's Journey in Japanese. Ah. That's a um, light novel, not uh, not manga. Mary, you watched it, right? Yes, I did. I'm sorry to interrupt your junior mint eating. That's okay, I'm, I'm good. Okay. Yeah, I watched it. It was good. It was one of the deeper things I've seen in recent years. Really, every single episode makes you think and get really depressed, but in a good way. Cool. <laughs> it's It's got one of those, like, Twilight Zone kind of uh, yeah. aesthetics about it. Definitely. Not everything is what it seems. And it's, it's interesting, and it helps me learn my Japanese vocabulary and kanji, because... Oh, dear. <laughs> There's quite a lot of that. What else is going on, then, from the con and oh, elsewhere? let's see. Well, I ended up meeting Mark, Mike McFarland. Oh, that's and, a uh, Funimation person, right? Yep, and got a picture taken with him, just because of the, you know, the condescending thing, you know. Right. <laughs> but he's not as creepy as in person. Or, <laughs> oh, in that's person. a shame. He looks like a pretty ordinary guy, actually. Cool. Uh, let's see. I went to the dance thingy that was that night. Yes, we know. We heard. Got all spiffed up and... Um, <laughs> Hung out with people. It was pretty cool. Nice. And I did karaoke in a tux. And what did you sing? Let's see. I sang We Are. Ah. And I sang Fly Me to the Moon, the Sinatra version. Ah. You're <laughs> well, the dude the who's always up there singing Fly Me to the Moon. Not that I've ever actually 
I think it might. Maybe well, it was once. appropriate for the costume. Okay. Um, you know what? That's very true. So you can and say you were cosplaying Sinatra. Okay, there you go. And then the Perfect. next day, I uh, ended up doing the first theme from Genshiken, which is nice. Good my song. Pace, Dayo. Good. Uh, let's see. Other than that, I mean, it was pretty much you know hanging out, going to a couple panels, doing events with people. Uh, Saturday night, I don't even remember what I. I know I did something. What was it? Uh, he was so drunk he doesn't remember. Saturdays oh, and cons are always a haze. I went to the masquerade that's what i did ah. uh, and uh actually before that we went out to this place to at uh, porter square which is this japanese um well there's a shopping center that has a bunch of japanese stores in close proximity and i ate at a ramen place gotcha and yeah it was pretty cool and the masquerade one of the people in our group was in one of the acts so now i have a blackmail material of him dressed as a shark uh what is it kisame from naruto or something like that right and then sunday we you know did a couple things and then went back so it was fun cool you're back yeah. We haven't gotten any cons yet. I think, what's our first con going to be? Anime Next? Anime Next. Then mm-hmm. Otakon, what, two weeks later? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we'll look forward to that. We'll have lots more details about that stuff coming up, what our convention plans are, where we'll be, what we'll be doing. Uh, I guess we're going to just head on into the episode here. This is going to be episode 75, entitled Catching Up on Emails, Round 3. Jeff's going to be here in about an hour. We're going to be doing another uh, hardcore quasi-all-night session of video editing, which also ties into Otakon, so we need to work on that. Plus, we have a backlog of emails anyways, which we need to address. So this made sense. That's what we're going to do this evening, is catch up on emails. Next week, Jeff's going to be here on the show to do uh, Volume 4 of the manga review of Awesomeness. I need to read it. I haven't read it yet. I read it. I know. I did it first. You were chuckling out loud quite a bit. (laughs) A taste of things to come, people. Hilarity. So I suggest, I propose, that we get on into the emails. We have six emails for you this episode. Three of the emails are from the male demographic. Three of the emails are from the female demographic. Very interesting. It is, and they're from people all over the world. So, I guess uh, we'll hit up the first email here. This is from James Skinner. And uh, Julian, I will read this and propose the question and answer over to you. Okay. This is a two-part question, which may cancel out the second, but it's a discussion I was having at work the other day. Cell has Cyogen cells built into him, and Cyogen, with tails, can transform into an Ozaru with Brutes waves. And with Cell having a tail of his own, do you think it is possible for him to have transformed if his battle with Super Saiyan 2 Gohan had lasted into the night. And finally, how would you have felt about a huge lizard bug-looking Cell in the series? Whoa. <laughs> so, Julian, let's uh, talk about Cell and his tail and uh, how the whole transformation works. Well, well, first of all, what does this guy do for a job that he's talking about Cell? <laughs> I don't know, but I want that job. I want that job, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, second, well, uh, it, it's interesting. I, I guess, in a way, it's conceivable that Cell could do that. I guess anything's possible. Right. But he did have remains... some offhand comment about being able to do the Genkidama. Right. And, of course, learning techniques is something different from right. pure physiology. But he's right. able to, you know, regenerate limbs like Piccolo is. And that seems to strongly hint that he has many of the innate abilities of other characters that he's based on. Correct. So how does the Saiyajin transformation work? Things are absorbed through the tail? Uh, that's correct. The Well, it's absorbed through the eyes, and it sets off a reaction with a gland in their tail. Oh, okay. 
so that um, that's what causes it. Uh, of course, this runs into the problem, of course, that the moon did not exist by this point. I was wondering that myself. It's, um, the moon's been blown up several times at this point. Yeah, they so even they it's, can't it's, keep it's gone. So okay. there is no moon for Cell to you know do the transformation with. Now, if they were on another planet and there was a full moon, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it would have been some serious ass kicking going on for so, and not 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 the good kind either. I think I guess where we're heading with this is that Cell doesn't quite have the exact Saiyajin tail, but it's proven that he has those kind of innate abilities of the people whom he has cells of. So something may happen if there was a moon. We just have no idea what it may have been. And how would we feel about a giant lizard bug looking cell? Doesn't cell already look like a giant bug lizard? But what if he was really, really big? And furry. And, ugh. Uh, cell that tickle for Tokyo. I think that concludes that email. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Julian, why don't you read the next email here from Brian Dush? Okay. <clears throat> Brian Dush writes to us and says, My name is Brian Dush, pronounced like Bush Beer with a D, and I'm a junior in college. I recently found out about your fantastic site three weeks ago while I was supposed to be studying for a final. <laughs> it has kept me busy for many hours so far, and I really appreciate all of you creating such a great site with valuable podcasts. I'm wondering if you could answer a few questions I have about an upcoming podcast topic and an important general question. One, Kuririn. Yes, I use the correct spelling. Has always been my favorite character since his first appearance. I think that he has a ton of depth and his personality is quirky, sly, clever, and it was pretty funny seeing him always lament his lack of girlfriend for a good portion of the series. One of the most interesting aspects of the series is his deep friendship with Goku and the overall development of his character. Where he starts in Dragon Ball as a sneaky trickster who wanted to learn from Kamehsenin for the wrong reasons, to an honorable and trusted friend to everyone. Do you think you could analyze what makes him and Goku best friends and how they always maintain that friendship? Number two. The other question is one I've been wondering for years, and I know you'd have an answer to it. I know the Funimation DVD is terrible that was released recently, so what is the best release of Dragon Ball Z and Dragon Ball series on DVD. I want it with the original Japanese dialogue and music, but with English subtitles. So do you have any idea which one has it all with the hopefully full screen? I know the Dragon Box is nice, but no subs. Thank you for taking the time to read this, and I'd love to hear the answer to these questions, or at least an email answer to two. Thanks again, and I'll keep on listening. Well, let's attack them one at a time here. Goku and Kudadin. Mary, I briefly proposed this question to you the other day, and uh, what's your take on the friendship? My take is that they both had the same goal when they first met. You had Goku, the country bumpkin. Training and, to be strong, really? Well, yeah. And Krillin's a sly devil from a temple. Right. And yet, they still manage to become friends. I think it's because Goku's so naive, he doesn't realize he's being tricked, so he's willing to be friends with anyone. That's true. But eventually, I mean, when you're forced to live with each other for months on end, I guess you can't help but become inseparable buds. But yeah, they both have the same drive and desire to become stronger. I don't know what I could add to that. Julian, how about you? Well, I think that has a lot to do with it. I mean, they kind of started out as rivals, but right. uh, frankly, I think Goku was just too happy-go-lucky to, you know, fall for the rival routine, so they ended up becoming friends. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's something to be said about people who bond over, you know, back-breaking hard labor while they're carrying these gigantic uh, shells on their backs. So, <laughs> exactly. um, you know, you know, it's kind of a male bonding thing, kind of, you know, a deep friendship that's, uh, I don't know, one of those lifelong things, I guess. Although you he also see this friendship transfer to Goku's son, Gohan, during the entire Namek arc. Is there something about Kudadin himself that he's just, he can be friends with everyone? Well, that, or that he's, you know, similar 
height to Gohan. Is <laughs> That's true. Uh, <laughs> you kind of see them more as equals than, you know, I'm your dad's best friend. <laughs> I guess in some ways. I mean, it, it's always, you know, they, they pick on him for not growing as much. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think also that he's trying to look out for his best friend's son, right. which is important. I mean, especially the time that Goku spends dead. And, right. Well, I mean, that he doesn't really see Gohan for a long time at that point, but he's, he realizes that, um, you know, uh, his best friend's son pr- pr- should probably stay alive for as long as possible. Right. And then, I mean, the whole thing, I don't know, I get the sense that maybe he was a little ambivalent about, uh, you know, going to revive Piccolo, but it was the others, for their sake, that he uh, went to Namek, so... <laughs> Well, I think we'll probably touch more upon the friendship between Goku and Kududin as we move on through the manga. So I think you'll have a lot more answers and analysis to listen in on as we move forward. So let's hit up the DVD question. The word best is entirely subjective. It's all in what you think is good, what you're willing to live with, what you want to watch. My opinion is that these new remastered widescreen box sets are a bunch of bullshit and I don't think anyone should buy them. Therefore, for an American release, the quote unquote best is what we had previously, which was just the individual single releases with three to four episodes, full screen subtitles. I don't know what else I can say about that. Has everything I need, so I'm pretty happy with it. And then there's Dragon Ball, which had a slightly better release, discounting the first 13 episodes. You know, 14 to 153, they're in those two-disc sets, they're full screen, they have the subtitles. The whole release of the entire series is disgustingly confusing, and it's so inconsistent, and things are missing here, they're there over there, and Uh... it's, it's a pain in the ass to be a Dragon Ball fan, but we make do with what we have. And again, the only thing I can say is check out the DVD guide on our site and uh, read the little synopsis we have of the different seasons and the box sets and the releases. See what you think about them and I guess kind of pick out what you want. And if you want some things that have been out for a while, snatch them as soon as you can because with these uh, remastered releases coming out, they're putting things out of print. So I think that answers Brian's questions. Mary, I'm going to turn the next email over to you and this email is from Jennifer. Jennifer writes, just wanted to say that I love your podcast. Podcast. It's very informative and funny as hell. I was wondering when you guys are going to play 20 Questions again. It's very funny when you guys play and hilarious to hear. Also, I have a question that I was wondering if you can answer. Well, that's what we're here for. Alright, how do Chi-Chi and Goku have money to pay for their house and support their children? We never see Chi-Chi working and Goku's always off fighting somewhere or he's dead. I was wondering about your thoughts on this. Thank you and goodbye. 20 questions. I would like to incorporate this into a convention panel, perhaps, maybe in the future. More details to come. That's all I have to say about that. (laughs) The other question. Goku, supporting, family, how? It's explainable. Unexplainable? It is explainable. Oh, okay. Prize money. How far do you think it goes? I mean, he's out in the middle of nowhere. He was living by himself as a 12-year-old for a while, obviously not paying property taxes out there. There's no other humans around. He's making do quite well. You think the prize money is just holding them over for that long? They seem to hunt their own food. Uh, You know, it's a good question because um, Goku pretty much ate all the prize money in the first tournament in the series. Apparently, Chi-Chi is very frugal, but I have a feeling it has to do with the fact that they can catch and um, kill a lot of their food so they don't actually have to... To pay for it. I think uh, any housing enhancements, etc., are courtesy of uh, Capsule Corporation. Or maybe even Knox King. Yeah, he was a demon overlord that killed lots of people and stole lots of money. So he's got uh, 
stashes away somewhere. He's like a pirate. He was actually a pretty nice guy. His castle was just on fire. Um, so we're saying you can catch your own food and you have friends and family. Good conclusion to draw from this. The next email comes to us from Goku Girl from Long Island, New York. Now, I guess I'll read the email and we have an answer to this. So let me okay. read it and then we'll explain where the answer comes from. In the style of Dub Nutter from Sailor Moon. Oh, I have a question to ask you guys. <laughs> oh my God, yes. please stop. <laughs> I can't with this man. <laughs> Sorry. I have a question. I have a question to ask you guys about Son Goku and his little hick accent. What kind of accent do you think he has? Goku lives in the southeastern part of the Dragon World, so does he have a southeastern accent as if he lived in the southeastern part of Japan? Or is it different? I know close to nothing about the Japanese language, as most people in the U.S., so I figured I'd ask you guys. Anyway, awesome podcast. Keep it up. So here's the deal. I don't know either, but we received this question back in January 2004 for the Ask Vegito EX section, which has pretty much transformed into the human aids of the podcast. It's more interactive, and I enjoy it this way, although I do miss the text archiveness of it. So mm. maybe we'll do something about it. There's also, that. you know, the problem of people that don't listen to the podcast that maybe Very miss true. that section. Very true. So what I did back then is I turned to Steve Simmons, who does the translations for all of Dragon Ball Z and all of Dragon Ball GT, didn't really do any Dragon Ball, for Funimation. And Julian, what did Steve have to say? It's a Tohoku, or Northeast Japan dialect variant, I believe. Though different from the Tohoku dialect that Chichi and Gyumao use. Theirs has some quirky grammar elements to it with the proper pronunciation, whereas Goku's speech is just the opposite. Fairly standard grammar with some non-standard pronunciation. It's somewhat like comparing a Texas drawl to a Georgia one. You'll probably hear y'all for both, but they're still different enough that you can distinguish the two in other areas. That non-standard pronunciation is exaggerated by Masako Nozawa in the anime as well, probably to help distinguish Goku's character from his sons. She does a lot of ad-libbing on these pronunciation quirks, specifically I, I, and oi vowel combinations often come out as e since they aren't always scripted. Mayumi Tanaka does the same thing with Yajirobe and his Nagoya dialect, presumably so he doesn't sound so much like Kuririn, whose speech is quite standard. As myself, I'd just like to add that um, trying to, you know, assume that um, any one dialect corresponds to another, whether it be in another language or just another universe, is fraught with peril. It's tough, and yeah. It's, you, you have this whole web of social and historical and oh, whole crap load of relationships to keep in mind, and it's it's just a pain in the ass. Um, but, you know, you, you do your best, and you, you, you try to put in a little disclaimer that says, this is just my interpretation. So I think the best thing to do is, like Steve did, just actually describe the things that Goku is doing with his speech. You hear that eh sound come out of places. One of my earliest memories of this is actually playing Final Bout, and the Jubai Kamehameha, the ten times Kamehameha, comes out as Jube Kamehameha. So do you have anything else to add to this? I mean, I think Steve answered it pretty well for us. Oh, that's, uh, that's actually pretty good. Cool. Well, <laughs> Julian, why don't you read the next email here from Dana? And Dana says, Could you explain these whole generations of Dragon Ball fans? I've heard you mention it several times, but you've never really gone into detail. I think I'd fall in the early third generation as I got into DBZ back in 98-99. Boy, do I feel old. When Cartoon Network first started airing it. If you could just do a brief overview of what these generations are, how they're divided, etc. Um, this is something that I've been wondering about for a while, and y'all seem like people who would know the answer. Now, little disclaimer here. I guess two disclaimers. One, this really only applies to North America, because that's 
that's how we're going to break it down. And two, this is my personal opinion, Vegito EX, and I'll put it up to discussion with Mary and Julian. I'm going to say that the first generation of American Dragon Ball Z fans in the U.S., would pretty much be anyone before 1995. Because Funimation didn't even have the license until 94, they did nothing until 95. So if you were into the series at that point, you either were watching it through fan subs, you lived in Japan and came to the U.S., or you lived in another country, maybe like the Philippines came to the U.S., maybe Mexico, watching on Telemundo, that kind of stuff. So Funimation wasn't even involved yet. Second generation would be 1995, when the original Dragon Ball 1-13 through premiered on North American television. Next generation would be 1996, when Dragon Ball Z began airing in syndication in North America. This is when things <laughs> really... When the shit hits the fan, I guess. <laughs> so, 96 to kind of early 98, DBC is airing constantly over and over those two seasons. 98, I believe it was August 31st, 1998, is when those two seasons premiered on Toonami, on Cartoon Network for the first time, bringing in millions of new fans. So I guess this is what I would call the fourth generation, Toonami, uh, the early Toonami generation. One year later, in 1999, fifth generation, what I would say, that's when season three began on Toonami. This is Funimation handling everything in-house, really bringing in tons of new fans. Toonami was just kicking ass at that point. Now, here's where things get a little murky to me. So, new episodes of Z, as produced by Funimation, aired until early 2003. So, I'm going to say that fifth generation was late 99 to early 2003. Just the way Funimation structured and handled things. I don't know what to say after that. Sure, they did the original Dragon Ball. They went back and took care of that. They did Dragon Ball GT. But it was really all about Z in this country. And now we have tons of games coming out. What do you guys think about this thus far up until 2003? I would put a sixth generation probably around 2001. Okay. I would call that late okay. Tsunami comers. Late Tsunami. So Cell era height of popularity. Yeah, that was probably the, the height of the fandom in this country. And it, it I know there's was. people like Julian that got into the show via um, Toonami around like the 2000s. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, that was uh, like 98 when I started. Oh, really? And so I caught a few things late night on Toonami, or, well, on Cartoon Network, I guess, not even Toonami. Mm-hmm. And then I uh, I also um, watched it early in the morning on the, the, the WB station. Yeah, WB at, was still airing it for a while. So you throw another generation in there, kind of like the later half at the peak of its popularity right. when more people came And in. dare I say I'd put a seventh generation of really recent fans that maybe this would be kind of a weird way to get into it, but maybe through the video games? Hmm. Although we proposed this question, we were asking people, did anyone get into it through the video games? And I think that's kind of hard to get a response on, but maybe it's true. But I can hmm. see that, like, today's fans, people just now discovering it, however they're discovering it, I think they really don't fall in with any of these other um, year ranges and dates and stuff. I feel pretty hardcore looking at this chart. I'd fall in second generation. <laughs> you would. I would be third. Even though it's only a year apart. Right. Make it sound so big by generation. Well, fandom in the U.S., especially with anime, is very closely tied with internet generations and years and just the way the whole thing works. And so, as we've discussed in the past, time online seems a lot longer than it actually is. A year online is a really long time. It feels like a really long, especially back then. So, I don't know. What do you guys think? I want to hear some opinions on what generation you feel you are and would you put any more 
distinctions in here among the generations. So hop over to the Daisenshu EX forum and leave your thoughts. You got something? Oh, just something brief. I think it's interesting that I would actually classify, and I think we've talked about this before, generations Uh of Dragon Ball Z fan sites. Yeah. It's kind of different from um, generations of fandom. When I first read this email, I thought that's what Dana was asking about. So I actually worked out an outline for that as well. And that may be a topic for the future that I want to talk about. I think we've actually talked about that, though. We have done a little briefly, but there's more sites I wanted to do some research on and kind of remember things. So maybe we'll briefly touch upon that in the future again at some point. We have one more email. This email comes to us from Hitchhiker with Towel. Alrighty, so here we go. You guys, or maybe just Vegito EX, amaze me. I've been visiting your site for a few years, and every so often you spout a quick sentence that shows you're nothing more than another goddamn fanboy. Yeah, I say Naruto. Know why? It's easier. I'm American. I speak English. I use English pronunciations. Makes sense, doesn't it? I'm just so sick of you pointing out English or funny-related faults at every opportunity. Yes, I admit they screwed up DBZ and GT. But hey, all you have to do is bitch about it and they try and fix it. Then you bitch about them fixing it, and then try again. Like you said, they're great at whoring themselves, and fixing only helps to further that whoring. It's not a bad business idea. It makes sense for them. Remember the good old days when the Ocean Cast was around, and the DVDs only contained one English dubbed audio track, and because you complained, Funny listened. I'm just so sick of your constant negativity towards them, when they've done a lot of good in the name of you fanboys. Count your blessings, because it could be worse. DBZ could be dubbed by four kids who'd still be giving it the Ocean Era treatment. Actually, by now they'd probably have ditched it all together like One Piece. You know four kids is gonna give One Piece's next dumbing company hell for that later on. I guess I'm just trying to ask you to ease up on the funny bashing, or at least have a better balance of good and bad. Is it really so hard? Well, I'm done. From Hitchhiker with Towel and Lack of Sleep. Note, I apologize for being so rude. I'm tired and I tend to be more bitchy when I'm tired. I may try to further explain myself another time after I've gotten some sleep. For now, though, it feels good to get this off my chest. Again, I apologize. All right, so this email kind of breaks down into three separate sections. We're going to call number one, Naruto number two, products, and number three, constant negativity. Let's start with the Naruto thing here. You got a perfect parallel for all the gamers out there. There's a certain character's name. It was pretty much only spoken aloud when we were kids as Ryu. The American cartoon, American live action movie, both had this pronunciation. All my friends said it, everyone said it. But the game says Ryu wins aloud right in there. That's his name. There's no way around it. You can say Ryu if you want, but it's wrong. It's not the character's name. It's got nothing to do with Japanese versus English pronunciation. It's either the character's name or it's not. The word piccolo comes from Italian. If I wanted, I could choose to pronounce it aloud as piccolo, but that's not the character's name. Mm. And well, actually, I mean, too, you, you get into this argument. Basically, it's uh, Japanese words that haven't entered the English lexicon. Right. People consider karaoke to be okay because it's become more or less an English word, although the kind of like anime pronunciation is karaoke. And yeah, and the same thing with anime versus anime. And then finally, one last uh, kind of parallel example. Good old George W. He says nuclear. That's his choice, and he's the president of the United States of America. But that's not the word. So I guess what it really comes down to here is, yeah, dude, you can say whatever the hell you want to say. I have friends that I love to death that speak aloud Naruto, and it drives me up the fucking wall. I love them to death. But that's not the character's name. I mean, is this a pronunciation issue? What is this? 
I think it's an ego issue. When people get called out on the fact that they're pronouncing something wrong, they don't want to hear that they're wrong, so they try to defend it by saying, oh, it's the American pronunciation, but there's no such thing as an American pronunciation for Japanese words. It's either the word or it isn't. Yeah. I mean, I guess the tricky part is the fact that English has far more... What do you call that? Like C, where you can do K or S. Exactly. Like Japanese, you have very few tricks like that, like silent U's and The syllables and are pretty straightforward. All right. So I could understand you look at a word and you'd think in your mind, okay, this is how I would pronounce it. Right. But Japanese and English rules aren't the same. In Japanese, a letter T never sounds like a D. Right. Unless it has a little, there's like, a little dudes on there's it. There's two levels to this pronunciation. There's Naruto and there's Naruto. The latter is like even more wrong than the former. Yeah, I kind of thought that's what we were talking about. And, and, and it kind of comes from, uh, in English particularly, when in uh, quick pronunciation, a right. T uh, kind of becomes just a little tap on the, on the top of the palate, which in words like ladder. Yeah, ladder exactly. is in like former or latter, but technically not accurate. Mary, I think you sums it up really well where when someone doesn't want to admit defeat on something. They try and justify it. And it's not just this. I mean, we were actually talking about aspect ratios last week, and we were reading a whole bunch of stuff. There's a dig thread. People were bashing someone who says they could tell when a movie was stretched or was cropped. They're like, oh, no, you can't tell. You're just being, you know, an aspect ratio snob. And it's like, because they feel stupid about it, they kind of have to defend their position. I, I, I don't really know. But when it comes down to it, the character's name is Naruto. I don't care if you roll your R into a quasi L or whatever. If you want to say Naruto, that's fine. Do whatever you want to do, but I mean, he has a correct name and you either say it or you don't. So let's move on to the rest of the email here. I guess products would be the next section here. Hitchhiker with Towel, you mentioned that we've complained about edited DVDs in the past. In actuality, back then, it was really only a TV broadcast, and then later we got VHS, and then much later we got DVDs. And because we complained about it, we got subtitled DVDs. You're right. That's exactly what happened. We were unhappy with the product, complained as a vocal majority about it, and the company listened to us. We got exactly what we wanted. So why should we, once again, not vocally complain about a product we're unhappy with? If it worked once before, shouldn't we try again and get the same thing? You just said that it worked before and we got what we wanted. I guess this is mostly coming from the widescreen remastered thing. The Without problem... even saying it, that's what I'm reading into right, this. Right. I think the problem is that we did have what we wanted and they took it away. Right. We'd have no need to bitch about anything if we just kept getting what we wanted. And we were but... so close. They were almost done releasing, they were re-releasing episodes to give us what we wanted and what we had complained about. We were getting those first two seasons uncut, subtitled, on DVD. They canceled those after nine volumes, 27 episodes or so out of 67, 68, and then they brought out this other product, which kind of leaves us with this gap of things that we can never properly get in the U.S. subtitled, because now we have these remastered Well, it is boxes. properly subtitled. That's true. It's properly subtitled. But it's not the correct, I'm going to say it, correct video from before. Right. They have this history of releasing things, canceling things, starting over, canceling, starting over. I had what I wanted. They stopped it. And now they're giving me something that I don't want. It's just like what happened back in the 90s and early 2000s. So if it's the same situation, like how dare anyone say, stop complaining? Why? It worked before. Right. It just seems like people are rolling over on this one, and I see all sorts of opinions and views and conclusions, especially on our forum. It seems people are all over the map on this one, and I can totally uh, see all viewpoints, but it really does seem like people are just rolling over on this one. 
And it just reminds me way too much of the rally against Funimation from like 2001. It's weird because I, I really don't want to go back to that. No, that's not. Because that what was we not a nice for. era to be in. But I do think we should be allowed to voice our displeasure with this product. Right. But I'm not saying we should be all out funny bashers who blindly hate everything they do. Well, you know what? Let's just cut that right there and move into the last section, which is the constant negativity. You're always bashing Funimation. You never have anything good to say. You know, it's really a shame that we're placed in this position where the only argument we have is the, I'm not racist because I have so-and-so black friends. Or, I'm not homophobic because I have so-and-so gay friends. Like, how do you respond to that? If you do respond to these, I guess you would call them accusations, you make it seem like you're struggling for a response and you feel like, um, um, uh, I, I gotta reply to this. Because then on the other hand, if you don't reply, you just look like a bunch of pussies, right? Right. So you're kind of in, you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. What do you do? I guess the best thing you can do is just admit that up front. Like, well, you're going to put us in this position and, you know, I say what I say, I say what I believe and I'll defend it to the end. I have absolutely no problem explaining where I'm coming from. So I guess if you're going to put us in that position, the only thing we can do is point out where we have praised choices they've made and good things they've done. Uh, you know, we talk about their marketing. We totally acknowledge that they're fantastic marketers, just like you were hinting at in your email. Funimation does some of the best marketing in the entire domestic industry. That's why they're currently in the lead. Right, exactly. In the they're number one. I, I guess let's hit on that. One reason we don't just constantly sit there and praise them over and over and over is we're a Dragon Ball website, and this is a Dragon Ball podcast, and they make lots of really, really retarded decisions with the Dragon Ball franchise. And one of the biggest things I hated on Dragon Ball fan sites is when they would post up the Funimation newsletter, and they would say on their Dragon Ball-specific website, the next Tenshi Muyo GXP DVD is coming out on such and such date. Like, yeah, I could go to Anime News Network or PR Newswire and read the press release myself, you know? So if we're, I really want to stick to being a Dragon Ball website and Dragon Ball podcast, and very casually we'll mention things every once in a while. Like, Mary, just a few episodes ago, maybe a couple weeks ago, you mentioned how you finished up watching Kimiga Nozomu Eien, or Rumbling right. Hearts. Right. And you said, oh, it was a mediocre show. Mm -hmm. That's not saying Funimation's treatment of it was mediocre. It was just a eh, kind of show. Right, it was just a romance eh. show, you know, seen one, seen a bunch of them. And you've seen many. <laughs> so but, if we happen to mention that every once in a while, so be it. But we're Dragon Ball specific, and that's what we're going to talk about. Right, like if there happens to be a Funimation property that we do like, chances are you're not going to hear about it because we are going to focus on being a Dragon Ball podcast and your website. So let's just get into this. We don't hate Funimation. This isn't 1999 when people had valid reasons to hate Funimation. There are plenty of things we watch and enjoy from them. With Funimation having the largest market share of the American anime market, it's inherently impossible to not occasionally run into something by them, you know, if you're just watching stuff in general, just like we just mentioned. But we're a Dragon Ball fan site. We're not a Funimation propaganda website. If we happen to like things, whatever, maybe we'll mention them. But you're not going to hear about things over and over and over 
since we're here to talk about Dragon Ball Z and not suck Funimation's dick. I kind of see this as another example of people reading into or hearing what they want to hear. It's like they very conveniently ignore, or perhaps they haven't been exposed to, some of the good things we have said about them. We were talking about the marketing. One of the examples I can remember, one of the old things that I very vividly remember, which is strange because I don't remember anything, was back when, I guess that would be season four of the dub was airing on TV. Big sight at the time, Planet Namek. Daisenshu EX had also been around for many years. And every once in a while, Mr. E, who ran Planet Namek, and myself, would occasionally post up, oh, we watched a dub episode today, here are a couple thoughts on it. The episode in which Piccolo and Kami refuse into one. Uh, I don't have the text in front of me, but what was significant about it is that the two of us both said, wow, that was really well done. The script was pretty much dead on translated, there was silence, it had lots of great emotion into it. The response to us saying those things about that, that started the quote-unquote, Vegito EX is a funny-loving sellout whole scenario, which is absurd to think about. I mean, even back then, but especially today, it's insane. Now compare that to this email. Think about that scenario, this email. Also want to point out, I received a PM on the Daisenshu EX form, I think just last month. It was another tirade about how I'm a Funimation sellout and how all I do is suck Funimation's dick. I, I really failed to see that because, <laughs> you know, admittedly, we are pretty negative on this show. So w- what dick are you sucking behind my back? <laughs> so it's just one of those things where you can't please everyone. It is absolutely impossible to please all sides of fandom. I mean, we're just three people doing the show. This is our podcast, so you're going to hear our opinions on things. And if you don't like it, well, that's the beauty of the internet. You can say whatever you want to say, just like we do. So I would say that we're not constantly bashing Funimation. We're pointing out stupid things when we see stupid things. It's something I always say, point out stupidity when you see it. And maybe that's what you're doing with me. If that's how you want to see it, that's perfectly acceptable as well. If you feel you're pointing out my sheer and other stupidity, more power to you. But that's not how I'm going to view it with the things we say about Funimation. We don't, it all really seems to stem from this remastered box set. I mean, if you read between the lines, that's what it seems to be. That's what we've been talking about. I think it's shit. I think it's the worst product Funimation has put out as a company since their inception, and I'm offended by it. They canceled what I wanted, what was going to complete what we fought for. But everything else is great. We bought all of Full Metal Alchemist, and again, I feel like I'm doing the I'm not a homophobe because, because I have these because I have this stuff. But they did a great release with it, and we bought it. But I look at them and I feel like, yeah, they fucked over Dragon Ball, though. You know, but it's something we've come to accept and live with over the years. I guess I would describe it as we have been around. We've been following Funimation for over 10 years now. So when we say we're dissatisfied with things, we are well aware that the world is not ending and the apocalypse is not upon us. Right, this isn't like (laughs) 1999, 2000, 2001, when people would kind of blow things out of proportion. I mean, our job here is to report on Dragon Ball-related items, whether or not they're good. Right. Um, But back then, people were more like, oh my god, end of the world, because back then, Dragon Ball Z was their primary property, so it kind of was the only thing you could harp on. Right. Now, there is that balance of good and bad, so you don't need to take it as the end of the world. I I think if there's anything we can do to reassure you, it's to say we do have a firm grasp on reality, and we do go on with our daily lives when we're not trashing the remastered box. Right, right, right. Don't think that this is on our mind all the time, like, oh my god, 
<laughs> What's my crusade going to be today? No, not at all. So I just want to wrap it up. I'm actually going to quote some old EGM letters here. This is from September 1997. And this just brings it full circle back to that you can't please everyone. People read what they want to read and they'll interpret how they want to interpret it. So there's four really quick letters. Let me read them here. Dear EGM, you guys are covering the PlayStation way too much. From Cindy Dwyer. Dear EGM, I wish you guys had more information on the PlayStation. From Raymond Irvin. <laughs> Dear EGM, your reviews of Sega Saturn games are the most pathetic, biased reviews I've ever seen. Nothing pleases you if it's for the Saturn. Their games always get low scores. From Eduardo Maya. Dear EGM, how much exactly does Sega pay you to favor the Saturn? Which you obviously do. From Zinka. <laughs> So here you have this one magazine obviously only being published one way, and yet you have these people viewing it from all these different perspectives, somehow interpreting what they're reading. The words in totally different ways. So I think it is a matter of people see what they want to see or they choose to ignore what they don't want to see. It depends on your background and how you came to the show, what you've read, how long you've been into it, what version you're into. Uh, Can't please everyone. But you know what does please everyone? Giving them free stuff. So let's just bribe them to get them back on our side. Let's give away a DVD. We are giving away Dragon Ball Z Movie 8 on DVD this week. This was a fun contest. We've been running this for two weeks on the podcast. Initially, it was just going to be a random email giveaway. And then Mary had the bright idea that people had to write a haiku about Broly. I want to see creativity right. about Broly. If you're going to get stuff for free, I guess you got to work for it a little bit. So what we had people do was write a haiku, send it in. They had to have it into us today by noon. And interestingly enough, the last one came in at like 11.58. So they got nice. just in there. Shall we pick a random number and announce our winner? Let's do it. All right, our winner is number 11, which came from Ha Kudo, or How Kudo, or Ha Kudo, however you want to say it. And here is their haiku about Broly. Broly is crazy. He is quite the maniac. Refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I guess they ran out of things to say at the end there. So, ha, Kudo, you are the winner of DVZ Movie 8. I have currently placed the DVD into one of those bubbly wrap mailing things. Bubbly wrap. And uh, I also put in our AMV DVD, which has the Doom Rider Project in full DVD quality. And you can't fit any fingers in here now. So when you get this in the mail, you're probably going to have to tear it open with your teeth. Just like Broly would. Just like Broly would. Because you know why? He's a refrigerator? No, he hates cryberries, Mary. Oh, right. <laughs> so so you want to read some other haikus that we got? Yeah, let's read a couple other good ones. Uh, a lot of people had the same idea. Damon's was really good, taking a, uh, taking a cue from me here. Broly taught and greased. Blonde legging smashing skulls in. Sing! Stomp, stomp, sludge, sludge. This one came from Thomas. Broly the madman. All over a crying kid. I blame the parents. <laughs> Derek said, Broly is cool, but he will fucking kill you. Watch your fucking ass. <laughs> Doug said, Nothing can stop him. Not even the most feared thing. Could it in singing? Magic Jarvis said, Broly, oh Broly, we enjoy your craziness. And baby penis. <laughs> and Zekarotto said, Hey, you cry, baby. Edge your crib closer to mine. Let me punch your throat. 
<laughs> I love that one. <laughs> Sounds like song lyrics. <laughs> there, are, there are a whole bunch of other ones. Um, so thank you, everyone who entered. You made me laugh quite a bit this evening, and Mary as well when I read some of them to her. So, uh, Haurakuro, I'm going to get in touch with you. We'll get your address, and we'll send your prize off into the abyss of the U.S. Postal Service. And uh, let's do some more contests in the near future. we got some more movies. We actually have some video games, old PS1 stuff here. And we get some uh, T-shirts and cards and other things. We also have those posters I keep forgetting about. So, X will be sending you lots of free stuff in the near future. But, until then, Jeff is going to be here momentarily. We need to uh, get the air going in here and get to video work, shall we say. So let us say goodbye to Mary over here. Bye-bye. Mary, thank you for joining us as you do because you live here. And- it is a pleasure. Mary, where can people find you online? You can find me at the Tempelo Trunks. The address is www.tempelotrunks.com. And I would like to say I ah. might even have a content update in the next couple of days thanks to the fabulous, Ooh. fabulous Maggie over at Lovely Cyborg, the number 18 fan site, because she is the awesome. She's, sent ta- me, she's oh, the awesomes. She essentially sent me content in the mail. So, yeah, <laughs> so she's going to put me to work. Um, it's I hot. Think that's why she sent it to you. She's uh, like, damn it, Mary, update your site. Yeah, so thanks. And um, stay tuned to the site if you want to see some smexy trunks pictures. Ah, there's oh the word, smexy. Yeah. All right, then. Well, Julian. Yeah. You and I can be found at X the website, which in addition to being a podcast, has been a website for over nine years now. Where can you find it? Uh, you can find that at uh, http colon slash slash www full stop d-a-i-z-e-x full stop c-o-m. That's dizex full stop c-o-m. End of line. <laughs> Very nice. Julian, will you be joining us next week for volume four of the manga stuffage? Maybe. That <laughs> Maybe. Okay. We'll see. Cool. Well, until next week, Jeff will join us. We'll do the manga stuffage. We will say goodbye for Mary, for Julian. I am Mike Libri, Vegito EX, and I kill children. And so the Lord spake, saying, <laughs> Let there be fruit bats and sloths and breakfast cereals, etc. <laughs>